After starting one and four in series this year, the Yankees have not lost one in their last eight tries. Aaron Judge's muscle powered the Yankees to a series victory in Baltimore. Is Judge back in business? New York Post longtime baseball columnist and friend of the show, Ken Davidoff, will join us. We also critique my Sabrina Ionescu buzzer beater call and talk about Nellie and Jake's trip to SNL. So much to do next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well during the show. Follow the entire crew on Twitter for updates on the show and more chicanery. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43, at Jake Brown Radio. We're going to talk about Jake and Nelly visiting Saturday Night Live this past weekend. Subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your fine podcasts. If you're an Apple user, we would appreciate you giving the Pinstripe Pod a five-star rating. Write in a nice review as well. New York Post longtime baseball columnist and friend of the show, Ken Davidoff, joins us later in the pod. But first, we will talk about the New York Yankees. We've got plenty to talk about the weekend and what we were doing out and about in the world. Uh, Nelly and Jake were out having a ball at SNL while I was busy working. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But first, uh, Nelly, the Yankees, another series, another series victory, something you would expect down in Baltimore against the Orioles after their last one down there where they split a four-game series. They take this one uh, two games out of three. Uh, you would have liked the sweep against Tampa before that and against the uh, Orioles here. But hey, 6-0-2 in their last eight series. You can't really shake a stick when you're winning series. No, and that's all you need to do is win series. I guess the only disappointing thing is, like you said, they didn't close it out. They win the first two in Tampa. They really set a statement. They could have really set a statement by winning all three. And then you go into Baltimore, and it's, it's so funny that you know, no matter what the Orioles do, when the Yankees come to town, they just cannot seemed to beat them, but they did beat them on the last day. They beat them on Sunday. And that's, I guess, the only you know downfall, if you take anything away from any of those series, that they win the first two and they can't close them out. But, you know, that's all you need to do. You keep winning series, and at the end of the year, you look and next thing you know, you probably have 95-98 wins. That, that's a disappointing loss, though, on Sunday in Baltimore. You're on, you're on deck to sweep away the Orioles, the woeful Orioles in that three-game set, and you score four runs in the first inning, and you, th- you know, Know, fans are just basically going into their car, putting it on cruise control and thinking that the Yankees are going to sweep through the Orioles here. And then Jordan Montgomery just has his worst outing of the year, Nelly. I mean, Montgomery's allowed to do that. Starters are allowed to have a hiccup here and there. It's a long season, but you really, really, when you especially when the offense gives you four in the first, you want to lock that down and go out there and get the win. Yeah, you know, he didn't finish his pitches. You know, he couldn't finish guys off. His changeup wasn't as good. If you remember, his changeup was really good against the Rays. He had a really good slider. Fastball command was a lot better against the Rays. And you wonder sometimes if 
okay, you get up, you get up as a starter, especially young guy. Maybe maybe he gets up just a little bit more, has a little bit more adrenaline against the Rays because he knows, okay, hey, this is a team that's had our number, and we want to go. I want to go out there, and, and you know, I want to shove it, you know, where, and you know, he deals. <laughs> and then you face the Orioles, and it's probably you lay back just a little bit because you take things for granted. And say, okay, I just had a great outing against the Rays. I'm not really facing a good team right now. And maybe the concentration is not there. I don't know. I mean, just so, you know, just saying sometimes young pitchers have that, you know, they get up for the good teams and all of a sudden they say, okay, well, this is not a great team. I could probably cruise through this lineup. And the next thing you know, it bites you in the butt. So yeah, it wasn't a great outing. That stuff happens. And it, you know, his next outing is when he bounces back. And that's what you want to look for. You don't want to say, okay, well, how's he bounce back from Sunday? Yeah, well, that's why you get another spot uh, in the rotation. You pitch every fifth day, and he's probably going to be chomping at the bit to get back out there. Uh, one positive that we could take out of the Yankees' couple of uh, series victories over the Rays and Orioles has been Aaron Judge. He has been on fire. We've seen Giancarlo Stanton at times this year, actually for a two-week stretch, uh, be absolutely out of his mind at the plate. And that's where Aaron Judge is right now. And he's had to pick up the slack because Stanton uh, had the quad stiffness and he, he hasn't been able to play. Hopefully he gets back out there against Texas because, you know, he's, I know it's early and it's only for a little bit, but he's been putting up some MVP type caliber stats at, at the plate. And now Judge over his last six, Nelly, 571, five homers, six ribbies, three walks, and just one strikeout. You compare that to his previous six games against Houston and Washington, he hit 90. He was hitting I-95. That's 0-95 with no home runs, no ribbies, three walks, and 13 strikeouts. So, you know, you want to see this, especially out of the two-hitter with Stanton on the shelf. Well, he had a stretch there, like you said. I mean, he had 14 strikeouts and 22 at-bats, you know. He had five in one game. Pretty terrible, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. And then all of a sudden, he turns it around. I I guess when you look at this lineup, when someone, one of the big guys are out, whether Stanton or Judge, the other one seems to pick them up. So, I mean, that's, I guess, what you want to see. I mean, you would like to see both of them in the lineup all the time. It, you know, it's it's a little concerning that Stanton is hurt again. You know, he has a good two-week stretch, and that's why I think he pumped the brakes as far as MB, MVP talk, because he can't stay in the lineup consistently enough to be able to put up those type of numbers. And, you know, with Judge, you know, he's had, he's had a really good six or seven game stretch, and you hope that continues as well. And I, I, I'm just a big fan of Judge when he's on the field because he just doesn't just hit home runs. I mean, he hits bombs, yes, but he hits for average. And I like that kind of play. I, I don't like that, oh, I'm going to hit 40 bombs and hit you 220. I like the 280, 290, maybe the three flirted with 300 here, and he's hitting 12 bombs and knocking in runs. I mean, that's a complete player to me. And I get excited watching those type of players. I don't get excited with the guys hitting under 200 and, oh, I have a good day, and all of a sudden I lay off for a week, and, oh, I have another good game, and I got to lay off for a week. I like the guys that hit the all fields. I mean, even when Stanton was having his good run, you know, he was hitting the other way. I mean, he tried putting a shift on, and, you know, he's going to take the four hole and hit it to right field and get the base hit. You know, I don't mind hitting, you know, having him hit the other way. He doesn't hit bombs. Hit for average, knock in the run. It's like old school play. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. I mean, and you go back to Stanton, and and when uh, there's a runner on second and they shift on him, yeah, I could jack it up and go with launch angle and do this, but he changed his approach. Everybody waxes poetic about his exit velocity. 
I didn't hear too much about his 88 mile an hour ground ball through the right side that scored a run. There's a, there's a sign right before the Yankees get into their dugout. When you leave the clubhouse, walk down the couple sets of steps to get to the dugout entrance. It's three words. Do your job. That's the job. Get the run in. And that's what Stanton did in that situation. But let me throw these numbers at you because, you know, Ken Davidoff is going to join us later in the program. Great columnist for the New York Post and friend of the show. And and he was bringing up some numbers. He'll bring up some numbers on Aaron Judge. Here's some specific ones. And I want you to react to these, Nelly. And and, and I, I love Judge the same way you do. I mean, I love the fact that he hits for average. I love the fact that he's affable with the media. He does his job post game as well as doing his job on the field. There's nothing to hate about Aaron Judge. Honest to God, that he treats the media fair. But how about this? He's 19 for 38 with nine of his 12 home runs and 20 of his 24 RBI against the Orioles and Tigers. Against everybody else, he's uh, 20 for 93. That's 215 with three homers and four ribbies. Against winning teams that are less than 500 in the standings, he's hitting 431 nine homers, 20 ribbies, 11 Ks, 11 walks. Teams above 500, 213, three homers, four ribbies, 29 Ks, 10 walks. Now, again, I can't stress this enough. I do love Aaron Judge, but we're in a world, Nelly, where we are so obsessed with numbers. Do these numbers scare you? Do they jump out enough to scare you and say, yeah, he's, he's hitting just under 300, but against teams that are that have solid pitching, he's not doing so well. Right. I was going to say, you know, teams with good pitching, he's not doing it. You know, and you watch that Washington series at home, they really exposed. He looked lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I sit back and I don't know what the scout, I mean, I could easily say what the scouting report would be on both Stanton and judge. And it would be a pretty easy scout, you know, scouting report. I I don't know what other teams see. I don't know what the Orioles see on how they pitch him. Uh, Obviously not too well. Uh, Even with the Tigers, I don't see what, what they're doing and how their scouting report is different from anybody else's, but Washington seemed to have a good scouting report and they exposed the outside part of the plate. They did pound them in and they, they threw them breaking balls and they had they threw them nasty sliders. And, you know, if you look at what the Orioles did, you had a lot of cement mixers and a lot of sliders that were just spinning up there and he took advantage of it and a lot of fastballs up in the zone. And I didn't see a lot of pitches inside to either one of these guys. And, well, Stanton didn't even play, but... Yes, it's, it is alarming. I think, and it'd be interesting to see what you think. With Judge, everybody, everything's about contract, and all the Orioles, I mean, the Yankees should sign him, or, or hey, if he wants a long-term deal, don't you think maybe in that that's in the back of his mind that he needs to stay on the field the whole year? He needs to make, have a productive year to prove to the Yankees that, hey, I'm worth signing a long-term deal? Because by the time he, you want to sign this guy, he's going to be, what, 31 years old? So that is kind of old for a player now. Yeah, and you know, these fans who think that Judge is going to get this 7 or 8 year deal for 300 whatever million dollars, I don't see that happening. I could see the Yankees going 4 or 5 years once he turns 31 or maybe not even the Yankees, somebody else offering him that kind of money, but I don't think he's going to get I think those Robinson Cano and Albert Pujols, I think those deals, unless you're very young and extremely talented, those aren't happening anymore. No, no, I agree. You know, it's funny. I got in a, uh, I don't know if it was a Twitter war, but somebody, somebody tweeted out, says, oh, this kid Walker, I don't even know, some minor league kid that's a stud. I don't even know what team he plays for, but he says, oh, he hit the ball 115 miles an hour to the third baseman. It was an out. I'm like, yeah, it was an out. Who cares? It was 150. <laughs> I'm like, 
you know, it's for somebody that you come in, you go 0 for 5, and you're glorifying. Remember when we had Scott Bradley, and you're glorifying on, and he's like, you're glorifying an 0 for 5. Yeah, 0 for 5, yeah, I times. hit the ball hard. Well, yeah. I mean, what the well, hell? And, and it's all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, somebody else tweets in and says, oh, you know, that that's a sign of uh, that's a sign of a good prospect when you're hitting the ball hard. And, you know, that's how they grade these guys. I'm like, you know, a base hit's a base hit. Whether you hit it 76 miles an hour over the shortstop's head and you score a run, or you hit it 115 miles an hour, it hits the hit. You're driving a run, like you mentioned, 88 mile an hour exit velocity for Stanton to go the other way. You get an RBI. You help the team win. I don't want to hear somebody, oh, I hit the ball 115 miles an hour, but oh, guess what? It was a line drive out. It's, it's, it's holding up a shiny object. It, it's trying on. to attract all these like young fans. Like, ooh, look. Like when I was a kid and I was watching maybe Wimbledon, or I, I would always love the game of the week in baseball because that was when they would bring out the miles per hour. It was like an a la carte menu. It wasn't like you were getting it every freaking time as an entree. You were only getting it a certain broadcast, you would see the miles per hour. And as a kid, you would be like, oh my God, this is tremendous. We could see how how, how hard they're throwing. Or, or Wimbledon, you could catch it in the back corner of the screen, how, how fast the serves were coming in. But now it's just like everybody's obsessed with this. And I don't understand. And I think it's bad. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nelly. But are they true fans? Are they the one, the ones that, that are so too, concerned that's a great and wrapped point. up that's into the numbers? They're right. nothing about They're the game. nerds, nerds, <laughs> losers, nerds. Yeah, where's Frederick W. Palawatsky? Where's Ogre when you need him? It's somebody that absolutely loves loves numbers, and we'll see how much he knows about the game. They're in mom's basement with a calculator and a box of Kleenex on them. That's yeah, all there is. Yeah, pocket protector. <laughs> I, I, which I had to take out of Jake's pocket before we went into. You might as well. You might as well. And I'm not afraid to admit this. If people want to kill me, uh, if people want to take me to task or at me, go right ahead. When you start talking about OPS plus and all these different kind of equations to get stuff in line with baseball, you might as well be speaking Mandarin to me. I have no idea. I am old school. I am batting average. I am on base percentage. That's what I am. I, I, you start throwing this other stuff at me. And I have to sit there and go back to trigonometry and algebra and all this other malarkey. I, I just, I, I can't do it. We talked I about this and I'm, I'm curious guys, if it is affecting these players heads, how many 200 hitters there are in the league. We talk about guys, there's finding a 300 hitter. When you get to the bottom of the top 10 list of the top batting average, it's like 250. It's like number 10. Well, we're going to have Billy Ripken on on Thursday. And that, that's a lot that I want to talk to him about. Cause he's got great views with that. It's just, it's just ridiculous how the, how baseball's turned this way. And we're talking to, middle of may middle of may and we're going to be the end of may yeah it's all across the game jake that's a great point solid point i, I, I mean look I, at lindor over with the mets great signing oh, so that far. Was <laughs> he said that in the group text and then he hit a home run the next at bat i'm like please take a dump on him a little bit more maybe the other things will happen a couple of interesting things we were talking about judge and something i noticed with him nelly and, and jake too since you're here first pitch when he attacks he's hitting 455 on the first pitch so he has to figure out, and, and Nelly, this is game to game, series to series. You know this as well as anybody. You sat in the dugout with hitters all the time, and, and you could see how pitchers attack these hitters. It's, it's not the same way they attack. They have all these numbers at their disposal now. When Judge figures it out and when he guesses right, when you're hitting 455 on the first pitch, and, and granted, he's just five for 11, and then when he gets down in the count, 01, he's hitting 313 with eight of his 12 home runs. 
So it's a dance. Is it well, not? I mean, he's getting he's he's getting fast, but he's getting fastballs early in the camp. See, you know that's what's bizarre, and and the analytics I I don't get sometimes when when you look at those numbers, and usually pitchers want to know, okay. What does he do early in the count? Is he a first pitch swinger? Does he want to swing at the fastballs early? Do you treat him like he's 0-2? And, and for me, with Judge, with those numbers, you treat him like he's 0-2 right away. I mean, you're starting him out with breaking balls. You're getting ahead with breaking balls, and you almost pitch him backwards in a sense. And and then after, you know, if you, you want to do the second time around, you you, you have to throw fastballs, and you got to make the big guys. You've always had to make home run hitters feel uncomfortable at the plate. Once they start extending their arms, once they, once they start seeing the pitches away and constantly away, and then swinging early in the count because neither Stanton or Judge wants to get 0-2 or get into breaking ball counts because they're not very good breaking ball hitters, especially out of the zone. So it's really funny when it, when you're seeing numbers like that and that, oh, he's hitting 455 off the first pitch. Well, why is he seeing good pitches? But the Orioles seem to get him there and, and the Tigers seem to get him there. And his defense too, and we have to be honest, we got to call it like we see it. And, and since he's come up, Nelly, he's gotten jobbed on a lot of low strike calls that are not strikes. I mean, the umpires have to realize this guy is six seven. You got to bring it up a little bit. I understand that you know it's at the knees, but g- come on, g- get a little bit more competitive with this guy when he's at the dish. We I, also I, need robot umpires. I think uh, the umpires you've seen in the last few weeks have just been dreadful at times. And these reviews take hours. It's like these replays take like an hour, and, and then there's another replay uh, two minutes later. If the zone was back to what it was when Nelly and I were growing up, these games. Games would be a hell of a lot faster, and if you had robot umpires back there, call or, or doing it, these games would be a lot quicker than they're going. Well, you right knew, now. I mean, you knew what umpires were pitchers, umpires. You know, I remember Paul O'Neill. I mean, a lot of the hitters would say, "Okay, who's behind the plate?" Even Clemens. There's a lot of like Roger Clemens and you know Jamie Moyer. A lot of those Roger Clemens used to keep a book, and he used yeah, to keep he, a book he, on you the should. umpires. Yes, as well. absolutely. And he, he knew exactly who was behind the plate. Well, back then you had. Four guys that were around each other all the time, and you had four umpires that were that were a crew, and they—I don't know if they ever took vacations back then—but you knew, okay, this crew's coming in, and he knew all four guys, which was a pitcher's umpire, what they would give him outside, what they would give him inside, and he goes, okay, well, you know, I don't have a good umpire today that's going to give me a lot on the outside part of the plate or the inside part of the plate, so I got to do this, and you know, you knew those umpires, you know, Paul O'Neill knew that, okay, if John Hurstbeck was behind the plate, he better swing early because. Because anything about a foot outside is going to be called a strike. And I know he's going to complain, but that's John Hurstback. And he was a pitcher's guy. You know, there was a few pitcher's guys, but there's also a few hitters guy, hitters umpires. And everybody knew that. Now you have no freaking clue who they are. I will say it is a tough job. When I was an umpire in high school, the first pitch I'm behind the plate, the kid swings and misses. I happened to blink and called it a ball, and the catcher looked at me and said, but he swung and missed. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. They called well, it a strike. Goes, that, goes without, that, that means you're not paying attention, just like these umpires now. They don't Jake, pay attention. It was very embarrassing. Jake and my Angel friend was out Hernandez at second base. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my friend was at second, and he, he just put his hands over his face. He's like, you have to be kidding me. And, and both managers good, were like, but wow. But I think replay has made these guys worse. Because now they have an owl. Before we get to the SNL, I have to ask Nelly about this. And I told I told Jake about this in, in our little text chain that we have b- between shows. But Nelly, uh, the Biloxi Shuckers, the Brewers double-A team against the Birmingham Barons, in an inning, the Shuckers drew 13 walks. All nine drew a walk in the inning. And check this out. At one point, 
with two outs, 10 players reached, nine walked, one was plunked. They scored 12 runs. The Birmingham Barons, the White Sox double A affiliate. The future is not bright in Chicago with that no. farm system. 87 pitches. How many, just how many 24 strikes. Three different pitchers. Anderson Severino, who is a former Yankees farmhand, was a part of it, by the way. 87 pitches, 24 strikes. Unbelievable. I just had to get your reaction. I wouldn't that. expect anything better with a team named the Shuckers. Like, what are we, in 1847? <laughs> the Iowa Shuckers. Hopefully they're better Shuckers than their pitchers. Oh, that, that sucks. Well, the saying. Iowa Shuckers, not the Shuckers. Let's change their team name. Jesus. Well, no, the Shuckers were the ones that drew the walks. The Barons oh, were the ones that, okay. that, that doled them out. And Plot the, twist. The more we say Shuckers, the more I want some oysters for crying out loud. I got to get exactly. off topic here. All right. Now, you guys have to tell me about this because in my lifetime, I dreamed big. Let me say that. And I did stand-up comedy for like three or four years. Did and, you? Yes. And my my dream, joke. my dream was to host Saturday Night Live. Now, Jake, I know you said in our text chain it was one, or actually on Twitter, that was your bucket list to be in the audience. It was my, it's, it was on my bucket list to actually host the damn show. So I got to ask you guys, what was the experience like? What happened and, and how was it? Yeah, it was it was interesting. You go to a waiting room and then Jeff's like, yeah, I just said hello to Drew Brees. I'm like, what? <laughs> Drew Brees? Like just standing with the common folk? Like, I'm like, what is he doing here? Well, I noticed him. I didn't realize. I thought he was a lot bigger. You know, when I when I went up to him, was six he 5'11"? Is he 6'1"? I think, one? I th- well, he was listed at 6'1", but you know. I mean, I'm like, this guy's a stud. I'm like, I, I'm thinking, okay, and his hand, quarterback's hands have to be big. I shook his hand and then my hand almost wrapped wrapped around this whole thing. He goes, hey, nice meeting you. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's freaking stud, and he's tiny. He had to have known once you you said, what, Jeff Nelson from the Yankees or something, and he must have maybe yeah. remembered if he's a baseball guy. Yeah, maybe. he has, You could see him a mile away because of the scar he has right. on his face. But, yeah, it was just wild. I guess because he's going to be the NBC, the Sunday Night Football guy. Maybe he's getting a good in early with uh, NBC, and next week is the season finale. But it's cool. Nelly's been there before, so he could tell you about it too. But, you know, they change sets quickly between commercials everything goes quick i was obstructed by some of the set changes to in front of us seeing everything up close seeing the actors go you know behind the stage and, and run around and change and everything is cool and keegan michael key i am gonna have to hit up his publicist today because we need to get him on yeah. the show yes he, he, yes he's a, Yan- he's a yankees fan key and peel is i was watching religiously those clips so we need to get him on he was fantastic and quest love said the muppet scene so we were behind when they did that muppet scene if you go back and watch it where keegan and keenan which was like a whole bit that they had mixing up their names we're punching the Muppets so we could see that from behind and it was for my childhood it ruined my childhood seeing the humans holding up the Muppets because as a kid I probably thought the Muppets were real but you see the humans underneath and then they punch them Questlove said it was the funniest bit he had seen in the show's history I don't know if I agree with that but it was pretty funny and it was it was cool being there it was what Nelly like 200 people tops 150 yeah how to wear a mask socially distance all that you see the time I went before and you know because of the bars are all closed in New York and they're shut down at 12 so there's no after party and that's that's usually the best part anyway, because then you get to meet some of the cast and you get to hang out with them a little bit. The first time I went, there was an after party and you got to sit in Lauren Michaels office and I, you know, I got to talk to him a little bit. But everybody that's up top, I mean, I don't know who gets the floor seats. It looks like they're like shoved, they're selected or something because they're they young look folks. like young kids. Young. I don't know how good, besides the opening monologue, I don't know how good of a seat that is because you got cameras in front of you all the time. So you're all, you're blocked out pretty much, you know, maybe in every scene, but it's fun. I mean, it, it was good. It was very interesting to see, you know, you ought to see, did you see the shirt that Jake wore? I did not. 
It was like some Hawaiian thing that he got from the Salvation Army. It was, <laughs> oh, my it was, God. It was a thrift shop. It has a lot of colors. Uh, I told it. him it is... not to wear the gold shoes. I, didn't I said, please don't wear the gold shoes. And then he shows up in this. He, he looks like, like a fresh. caution cone. And I was like, you know, can you stand there? Because i got to park my car. I was looking fresh. He's lying. I had a gold chain. I had brown dress shoes that I got from my brother's wedding. He was so George Costanza outside Jerry's yeah. building parking all somebody those came, cars. Yeah, somebody came up to ask him. He says, you mind standing in the street right here? Because I'm going to pull my car around just you know block that parking space i almost bought that day like a 24 karat gold kind of sure had a bunch of like chains on it was a button down you would have probably walked in another direction and then before the show they let you get one singular can of a drink either a beer or like a seltzer and i went to get another and the lady's like no i saw you got one already that's why he wore that loud shirt i got i was (laughs) able to get two drinks i went up to him and said hey i didn't get another one i didn't get a drink yet and he says oh okay go ahead my shirt gave it all away. And then away. he goes, oh, true. I said, can I get another one for my friend? He says, no, I was already over there. And that was a freaking whole, the, the Salvation Army Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, while you, while you guys were having fun, my ass was working. So uh, I had to live vicariously through you all. Uh, but so, Friday, so you were working. Yeah, but Friday, you were working effectively and went viral as Sabrino Onescu as the New York Liberty are undefeated at 2-0. And Chris Sheeran was on the call. And now, Nelly, we can judge Chris Sheeran's viral buzzer beater Sabrino Onescu three-pointer to win the game with .4 seconds left audio, courtesy of Yes Network and Chris Sheeran. Ball. Ball inbound to Kylie Shook. Four seconds left. Onescu, a long three for the win. And she gets it! Sabrina Onescu seconds left Sabrina Ionescu from downtown and the Liberty have a three-point lead my goodness oh he ends it with the my goodness at the end (laughs) it's a solid call the only thing is you did I guess you didn't know you had to do the quick correction that it was 0.4 and not zero left but the excitement on it was electric i i would have been pumped if i was watching you know you had the my goodness at the end you, you tail end it with a good call learning from Ian eagle of course the goat i would give it a 8.8 uh, wow. uh on the, i can live with 10. that i can live with that nelly your thoughts uh yeah i i wanted a little bit more excitement in the beginning before the shot it kind of looked it, it was a little dull and then all of a sudden he started raising the, the level a little bit it's the build-up nelly the build-up yeah. only a little bit time a little bit of time left i thought maybe the excitement was a little bit more had to be a little bit more in the beginning and then and it seemed forced at the at the end so i'm gonna wow. give it a six <laughs> See, we, we keep your we keep your head on straight. Simon Cowell, for Christ's sake! Yeah, he's got two million views. We got to keep keep Sheeran's head to a level surface after going viral. Give him a six. <laughs> Yeah, that was hard. I thought my 8.8 was harsh. Jesus. <laughs> I I would expect nothing less from my partner. And you know what? I, I'm he he's like my late father. My late father always used to keep me in check. So it's like my dad is still here. He would have done the same thing. You know, it, it was a little dull at the beginning, Chris. You should have had you should have had a little bit more of the moment in there. So yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it like a man. Thank you, Nelly. Sorry I dropped the F. <laughs> sorry, sorry I dropped an F bomb, but it was like listening to Simon. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear an F bomb on the broadcast. <laughs> F and Sabrina, the teenage witch, does it again oh from God. downtown. You will never hear me call her that. The teenage witch. <laughs> although, 
Although, <laughs> I, I did I did say Sathrina earlier in the broadcast. Oh, and, that's and oh, and one of one of the uh, shirt makers that follows the Liberty has made a shirt with Sathrina on it. It's on Twitter, and of course, I purchased it for myself and my daughter. Wow, nice. That see that should have been the closing call. If you said Sathrina, yeah, that would have t- me up to maybe an eight. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Nelly, now I know what I have to do in order to get you up to eight. That would have got me six, to nine. five. Yeah, that would have got six five. Oh my goodness. Uh, that would have got me to half a point. That would have given me to nine point five <laughs> if he threw a Sabrina on there. You know, my my mom actually wanted to name one of us Sabrina. Well, if she had a daughter, Sabrina, and we named our dog Sabrina because. We never, she had is that your middle name, Jake Sabrina Brown? <laughs> it is Ryan. Although I would rather it be Sabrina, to be honest, because that's a great name. <laughs> Maybe it'd be one. Of, it could be one of your 10, 10 dates this week. Is look for a Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, let me find a Sabrina on Bumble while I'm swiping. Yeah, now he's like that sniper in the weeds. Like you can't see him, and then all of a sudden, bow! It just bang nowhere, <laughs> right across the face. Anyway. Let's get out of here. Let's get to let's get to Kenny Davidoff, our buddy. After this, you're going to hear from the New York Post, Ken Davidoff on the New York Yankees, and they're trending upwards right now. Joining us now is good friend of the program, New York Post longtime baseball columnist Ken Davidoff. Follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Davidoff and read his stories in the Post and at nypost.com. Kenny, thanks for coming on once again. We appreciate it. First things first, a little bit of a shaky start to the season. Are the Yankees, in your estimation, are they trending in the right direction, Kenny, or is there still troubled waters ahead? Well, I think it can be both, right, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's baseball, Susan. <laughs> is it now five straight series victories i think and eight series without a loss so yeah they are clearly trending in the right direction and i think a lot of good things going on right i think the starting rotation has largely stabilized i know uh yesterday jordan montgomery did not come through at all but but generally speaking uh starting rotation looking a lot better beyond garrett cole who right now is the best pitcher in baseball and then you talk about judge and stanton judge in particular looking really good stanton i know missed the weekend let's see if he's back uh tonight so that's that's a lot of good stuff going on clearly there are some concerns uh when you talk about the rest of the outfield besides judge the covid breakthrough outbreak is pretty bizarre and very educational i think for the public at large you know ken with sanchez i I guess it looks like now i mean we had a lot of controversy and higashioka was getting the starters had the most success with the starters it just seems like now sanchez boone's giving him every shot to snap out of it offensively and it looks like that he may be the catcher now besides cole i i don't don't know about that no actually what what boone has been doing actually reminds me of what tori did during your time there if you remember during the time when posada was coming up but girardi was still around like Girardi would take Cone and Pettit and Clemens, right? And Posado would take El Duque. And I don't know who was the fifth starter at that point. Well, Wells didn't come on till later. Well, Wells and Clemens yeah. were traded for each other, so yeah. that wasn't at the same time. Yeah, so so Posada had someone else. That's what, you know, right now Higgy has Cole, he has Kluber, and I think he has Herman. And I think Sanchez has Montgomery and Tyone, which I don't know how you feel about it now. I, I think that actually... Uh, makes some sense to assign specific pitchers. Do you see him maybe catching Montgomery now? I mean, Montgomery struggled over the last few outings. No, not only last, yesterday. I mean, the previous outing against the Rays, he was terrific. So, yeah, it seems to me, I mean, I, I asked Boone about this a week or two ago because he kept pairing up 
uh, Higashioka with Kluber, and Boone's like, no, nah, I'm not looking at it like that. But it sure looks like he's looking at it like that. Well, Sanchez and and Higashioka are combined 27 for 139. They're they're batting a combined 194. But to me, and Nelly and I have talked about this ad nauseum. It seems Kenny, it, it, they can be hidden with the rest of the guys in this lineup. If you have DJ LeMahieu, if you have Aaron Judge, if you have Giancarlo Stanton and Glaber Torres when he eventually gets back into the lineup, if you have them going, if they're cooking. Give me defense at the catching position, and I'm satisfied. I don't know what you think about that, but that's how I look at it. I also look at it, Chris, as, yeah, batting averages are terrible, but when you look at on-base and slugging, I mean, Sanchez has an OPS plus of 108 and Higashioka 139. So those are two above-average offensive catchers right now. And in 2021, I think that's that's pretty good. And, yeah, I mean, Higgy's defense speaks for itself. Sanchez's defense still... Uh, you know, gives you gives you uh, angst at times. I mean, yesterday they were at three wild pitches, and you know, again, wild pitches, not pass balls, but it is what it is. So, uh, but but I think in general, he he has been better. You know, Ken with uh, Clint Fraser had a really good day today. I, I I might have not have seen a better catch than yesterday in right field. I mean, that was amazing on Mancini. Yes, I mean that was unbelievable. I mean, he's been making some unbelievable defensive catches. Offensively, he had a good day. It was good to see. I don't like like to see anybody fail and but his at-bats haven't been that great leading up to today you see him snapping out of it do you see him or or how long do the Yankees stay with him as far as okay we have confidence we're gonna he's gonna be our everyday left fielder and then occasionally play right field when Stanton's out or do you see there's other options if they decide to make a change well I I think you know when you see a day like yesterday you say okay well that's the Clint Frazier we we know that's there right because he was darn good last year and certainly showed flashes of it in, in the prior years this year has really been confounding and, and disturbing when you think about it when, when you say all right Clint here's your shot and they've given it to him and he has he's really really struggled so i there's certainly the potential for him to now be his old self and the other part of that conversation is is the rest of the outfield right i mean if hicks is done which i think there's a decent chance that he's done for the year then all of a sudden you kind of need clint frazier more because now you got gardner playing center even if you call out floreal and throw him in the mix and i have ryan lamar university of michigan man you still need clint frazier yeah if he obviously if he reverts back to his old ways then yeah he has a minor league option left you have to consider that but when you talk about hicks's health and stanton's health and judge needing these load management days once a month or whatever it is you sure as heck would like to have clint frazier in there hey you brought up the starting pick pitching Kenny at the outset. I want to go back there for a second. And, uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery's allowed to have a stinker every now and then. A starter's allowed to have that every now and then. What's the concern level, though, for the Yankees? If you're the Yankees with Jamison Tyone, I know he's still coming back from his second Tommy John, and he's trying to change the entire way he's known how to pitch his entire life his entire professional life, I should say. What do you think about him moving forward here? Well, I think moving forward, you you keep going for now, Chris. I mean, you have Severino working his way back. You have Garcia in the minor leagues. You have the trade deadline still two plus months away. But when you look here at Tyone, like I'm looking, so it's 11.6 strikeouts per nine innings, 2.2 walks per nine innings. And that is encouraging. You know, that, that, there's there's something there, not a guy getting getting smoked. So so this is, you know, something is a project you want to 
keep working on that you don't want to toss aside. It's a concern. Of course it is. I mean, you're New York Yankees in a particularly go for it year. You don't want to be sacrificing every fifth start, but there's enough potential here that you want to keep going. I, I also think the home road splits are, are odd and something to uh, to look into. So yeah, I, this is not a project to, to shut down quite yet. Yeah. What is the status of Severino? And also, what do you expect from Britain? When does he uh, return? So Britain is starting his rehab clock what this next couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really encouraging. I think it's a 20-day schedule, I think, for pitchers. So yeah, I mean, he should be back. Uh, I, I think he's on the 60-day injured list, which means he can't come back until around June 1st. But I think Brighton, June 1st might be the day or June 2nd, whatever it is. Severino now, Boone said the last couple of days, like now is the start of spring training for him is the way they're looking at it. So six weeks. So, you know, if he's back by July 1st, that would be a victory. And what about Aaron Judge's uh, resurgence here? It seems like whenever he needs to get right, the Orioles are smack dab on the schedule. And uh, he starts to go on a north northward trend here, Kenny. But he looks very comfortable at the plate right now. He started it down in Tampa. I got to be fair; it wasn't against the Orioles. His last six, he's hitting five seventy one. So it looks like he's getting locked in here. Yeah, look, we, we've seen enough Aaron Judge over the years to know he is really, really streaky hitter. I mean, when you go when you go back to his best year, twenty seventeen, Rookie of the Year, number two MVP behind Altuve. Even that year, there was I think it was the month of August. It was a disaster right I mean he was terrible so this is a guy who really is is a bit of a roller coaster and right now he's high and he is carrying the offense you know Ken I know the Yankee fans always want to look ahead and, and you know we are far away from the trade deadline you know everybody keeps putting you know the Trevor Story rumors in there I don't know where he fits I don't know how he fits in with this team anyway because then uh, that all of a sudden Boyd has to sit or somebody has to sit which I don't see that happening but as far as the trade deadline with the Yankees, you know, obviously I think they'd be looking for a pitcher maybe. And they always have to, I guess, tiptoe through that luxury tax and not get close to that. So how does that work for them? Well, the luxury tax, Nelly, I think that works. A phenomenon that's become common for a while now is is you essentially pay down the player's salary with, with prospects, right? So uh, let's say Max Scherzer, let's say the Nationals is not happening for them this year. So Max Scherzer, let's say he's due uh, $10 million you know, from August 1st to the end of the season. So the Yankees say, and if they don't want to pay that whole 10 million, which I agree with you, I don't think they're going to want to. They're going to say, all right, we'll give you Jason Dominguez. Just kidding. They're not giving him Jason Dominguez. (laughs) But they'll give him, you know, we'll give you three, you know, three of our guys from number 11 through 20 in our system, right? You know, for Max Scherzer, it might very well need more than that. You know, we'll give you our number five prospect and we'll give you enough kids to the idea where the Nationals are like, all right, well, these are some encouraging kids. We will pay Max Scherzer salary, essentially buying these prospects from the Yankees. So that would be the way you'd work around that. I, I don't know. Since you brought him up, Kenny, I, I have to ask you, I don't know if you've actually laid eyes on Dominguez in person, but uh, some of the videos I've been seeing uh, from this kid, are uh, he's like, they called Kristaps Porzingis a, a unicorn. I don't know what beyond a unicorn is, but that's the potential that this kid has. Yeah, I have to be honest, Chris. This is like, I'm a cranky old man when it comes to this stuff, you know? <laughs> Like let the let the kid play in a minor league. Old game. man yells a at minor crowd. league game, not a major league game, a minor league game. Right, right. Let right. him play Pump in a breaks. minor league game, and then I'll jump all aboard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I get I know the Martian and the videos, which 
I haven't, I haven't even seen that much of the video because partly because I'm a cranky old man. Uh, <laughs> but the excitement over this kid, I mean, just just let him play a little bit. Go, but that's I'll typical play. Yankees. They have excitement over everyone before they even hit the minor leagues. I have I have to say, Kenny, Nelly and I fall into that cranky old men category too. So I just I mean, wanted I remember to remember when Arabo rested. Oh, God. When he came, he was like the next <laughs> Nolan Ryan. They were like selling T-shirts and everything. With the this. Japanese <laughs> Nolan Ryan. You're absolutely right. Ken's like, yeah. let me watch a game. Sheeran's in his Jersey Boys mode. Can't take my eyes off of you. <laughs> hey, you can't help it. You got to ask if, you know, he's laid eyes on the kid, you know? I actually haven't. I mean, I, w- I was in spring training for about three weeks. He, The kid wasn't there yet. I, yeah, I've seen a, some of these videos. But I just, I again, I'm just old school. Like, let him play in some games. And then, then we can pound the drums. Just like Puig. I mean, Puig puts out this uh, human highlight reel, and, you know, he can't even find a job now. Yeah. Let's go. Let them play. Right. So, Kenny, the Yankees are in a good place. Like we said at the beginning, this could go one of it could go one way, it could go the other way. But Aaron Judge is starting to heat up. Uh, hopefully, Giancarlo Stanton gets back in the lineup against the Texas Rangers, and that quad tightness go, or stiffness or whatever the hell it is goes away. Uh, but he's been unbelievable. He's been an MVP caliber so far this season. He got off two to a weeks, slow Chris. Start. Two weeks, Chris. Uh, relax, pump your brakes, Nelly. You got to give credit where credit is due. The oh, guy. He carried the team for two weeks. That's great. He had to get Judge going. Yeah, he he was he was also getting booed on opening day for crying out loud. <laughs> well, but, let's get back to Yankee Stadium. Here yeah, all right. Well, but but Kenny, it, it seems like they're trending in the right direction. And Kenny's tweets are too, because every day you keep up. Like, do you have a schedule of like planned gifts for each day and like the standings? Your standings tweet. <laughs> well, like, eighty nine and seventy three wasn't that? No, you had the Yankees better than that. He's got ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't miss it. It's there every day for you to see, Shearney. So you got. <laughs> Check the t- do you have them planned? Like, do you have a, a tweet deck? Do you got scheduled tweets, Ken? I do them by hand in real time. And, you know, I have a bunch of stuff in my head, but then I also try to read the day, right? If there's like news of the day, you know, yesterday, Ricky Schroeder went off at a Costco. So that was a, a natural to, to go after him. <laughs> Wait, Silver Spoons? Yeah. yeah really? You wanna, oh, you, yeah. Yeah. You got to look this up. Chris. You got to look this up. <laughs> What is Ricky Schroeder doing yeah. going off at a Costco? Wait, let me guess. He didn't want to wear a mask. You're good. Oh, ding, 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 ding. we have a winner. <laughs> You're good. All what right. state? Because a lot of these states, you don't need to wear them anymore anyway. Staying with the times is Ken Davidoff. Current events, he's got the gifts ready on deck for uh, for whatever's happening in the world. If someone's at a Costco without a mask, he's got a gift, and he's got the record predictions on hand. Yeah, I think, I think we've covered all the bases. We covered Kenny's record. We've covered Ricky Schroeder, uh, star of silver spoons from the 80s at a Costco going off about masks, and we've covered the Yankees. So, Kenny, thanks for the time today. We really appreciate it. You could follow Ken at Ken Davidoff on Twitter, read his stories in the post and at nypost.com and uh, now I have something to do as I prepare for the New York Liberty. I could look up uh, Ricky Schroeder as well. Uh, Always good hanging out with you guys. That says goodnight to episode 53, the Zach Britton or Bobby Abreu edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Moongia for three for producing the show. Go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back Thursday after the Yanks' first three games in Texas and looking ahead to their return home against the White Sox. That'll be a great one. Enjoy the series in Texas. Thanks for listening, folks.